Thanks, Stephanie. Well, good morning, everybody. I just want to uh, say how grateful I am for, for so many talented people in our church. Can you give them a hand? Right? We, we have, I mean, it's, it's just amazing even seeing like our worship team who's, who's been here since 730 and has, has already heard the sermon once, are going to hear it again, and they're going to come and play at, you know, at the end, play worship for us. And our sound crew, our guys in the booth that are working on sound and on the computer systems and our live stream and just the talent we have in, in our nursery and our children's church area, it's, it's amazing how the body of Christ really works together to love and serve the body of Christ. Amen? It's not just um, a one-man show. I hope you know that. That's just, uh, I'm, I'm a little tiny part of this. So, um, We are going to be in the book of First Peter. Uh, I do want to just give you a couple reminders as we, as we get going uh, before we get into the Word. Um, our, our service, we've kind of changed the order of our service. You're like, we only sang two songs. Yeah, we're going to sing more later, okay? Um, so stick with us. And I know that it was like, oh, the last song, it's time to go, we're going to head out. And even at the end of my sermon, I'm like, let's stand for closing prayer. I, it's, like, it's like we're closing. It's not. Like, it's, it's let's stand and pray as we enter into worship again. Um, we start our service now with a time of prayer and, and Bible, just reading, because it prepares our hearts for what's about to occur here. So we, we, that we do. We, I, I, I'm encouraging you, be earlier, be on time, so that we can prepare our hearts. It's, it's another thing we're trying to, to battle as well. Um, our, our lobby is a place of great fellowship, right? And and I laugh, and I talk, and others do too, and now it starts to get loud, and we want to we create that start. We're, we're going to start and come in, and we're going to go to the Word of God and, be, be, and read it, and we're going to pray, and, and we're going to get our hearts ready to enter into worship, lifting up Jesus. And, and part of that early preparation is to set, set our hearts in the right mode, to, to understand that we aren't God, He's God, and we're going to make sure we put that in perspective right away. That's, that's a start what we do. Uh, then we enter into a time in the Word. And we go to the Word because we're hungry. We want to chew on that. We want to wrestle with it. We want it to feed our soul. We want it to, to convict us of sin. We want it to move it towards a place of obedience and, and response, right? So after we get done with the Word and, and we start to apply that in our lives and learn how to apply it or figure out how to apply it, we have a time then of, of response and a time where there's people available to pray with you. But we're also going to sing more songs. We'll have three songs at least to sing uh, in worship. Now, now it's really not just about elevating God to where he is, but it's also about singing the word of God that we just heard and learned. We try to tie it in together with, with what we're going to learn that day so that not only did you hear it from me, we learn differently though, right? Now you're going to sing it, right? And, and, and the worship team will, will let, it, let us hear it from uh, the words that they sing and, and we'll see it on the screen. And, and then when we leave, at the end, we leave out of here, we're, we're now holding on to the word, we're, we're remembering it, we're trying to figure out how to apply it, and we're singing it. So it just holds on even more deeply. So that's the, the idea of what we're doing. The other part of this service, at least, second service, we have children's church. And the children are now in their area learning age-appropriate material that may not, may not uh, you know, click in here. They may not understand quite what I'm saying all the time. I know my kids don't ever, right? No. But it's, it, they, it's something for them. But we are inviting them back in. Okay, so when I'm, when I'm done with a sermon time and we stand to pray and enter into worship, we're going to let the kids come back in and worship alongside of us. I think, I think having their kids in here as much as possible to be part of what we do is very important to the body of Christ, right? We don't just say, well, kids go over there and adults are here. We're a family of God, and we, we operate that way. And sometimes, sometimes we have kids that squawk and squeak. I'm okay with that, right? We should all be okay with that. I know some of you are like, it frustrates me. This is not a super formal church in that way. We are a family, and families are messy, and babies squawk, and little kids throw attitudes, and temper tantrums, and we just deal with it as it comes. We don't come pretending we're put together and perfect. We come 
as broken people in need of a Savior and in need of fellowship. Amen? So I want us to understand that. That's kind of the game rules laying it out there. Um, we, we started it outside because it was just easier to start that flow. And, and inside, it's a little, more, um, a little more laborious because of the pieces we have to put in place. But we're, we're hoping that it's fruitful with our time together. So when the sermon's done, it, we're not done. We're, I encourage you, don't, don't like you may be in the habit of doing, oh, I'll leave during the last song. No, let the last songs be what really nails, put the, puts that nail, that last nail in, saying this is, this is what the Word of God says. This is what I'm going to sing and hold on to now. So I would encourage you to do that as well. So a few announcements. First, if you're a guest with us, we're glad you're here. Now you know kind of what we do, right? You're, you're, on, you're on the same page as us. Um, but we are so glad that you're here to worship Jesus alongside of us and to, and to learn from his word and to grow or just maybe get more information about what, what is this church thing, right? Um, uh, there is a welcome card that's in the pew rack right in front of you. It's yellow, and we'd love to hear from you and, and be able to connect with you. We try as best we can. The staff here tries to say hi and get a name and remember a name and a face so we, we don't keep doing the same thing over and over every week. But we, we, we do genuinely want to connect with you as, as much as you want to connect with us. So um, if you want to connect and you have a prayer request or have needs for information about our church, you can use that welcome card to let us know. And you can place it, and there's an offering box on either side of the sound booth at the back of the sanctuary. You can place it in that box on your way out. Uh, and it's not just for newcomers. Anyone can fill that welcome card out. If you want to know more, more information, you have a question, you have a, something you want to share with us on the back, a comment, uh, or a prayer request, please fill that out and, and place it in the offering box on your way out. The offering box also is there for offering. So uh, we are so thankful that people continually cheerfully and faithfully give. We, we, that's what we ask is, is that God asks us to cheerfully and faithfully give and that we should only ask that of people too, not under compulsion at all. If you're inclined to give and would like that uh, to do that, you can do so through offering envelopes, uh, put it in the offering box, or you can go online and give, give uh, online as well. So we're, we're just continually grateful that you support the ministry of this church and, and reaching and growing the, God's kingdom uh, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Um, a few other things just to mention. Uh, we are back outside next week. We've set up for more canopies, lots of shade, um, sandbags to weigh them down just in case there's a little breeze. Uh, we have sunscreen out there. We'll have water bottles out there. We'll have our bulletins. We'll have, we're also going to have just, you know, because we know there's an issue there. Kids come and they're like, the kids are sitting through a sermon, right? And, and I, my, my goal is uh, to have a children's corner every single week out there. So there's at least a little time where children can come forward and we can we can talk. I can, I can preach on their level, teach on their level, and, and have some fun with them. Um, but we also are going to provide an area where there's some baskets with age-appropriate crafts or puzzles or drawings or coloring pages. So we're trying to, to stock that up as well. And, and uh, you'll see it next week. And maybe you have an idea. You can let us know if there's something we missed that would be beneficial. We just want to help the kids um, stay busy with something that maybe still has nuggets of faith and truth in it as well. Um, because we don't have children's church out there, and we just, it's a big family time together, okay? So that's next week. That'll be out, outside in the corner, uh, and we'll be out there indefinitely until, uh, unless weather. So unless there's uh, super, super uh, cold weather, windy weather, rainy weather, or fire season comes upon us, hopefully not soon, right? God willing, um, and it's smoky. We'll, we'll, we all will assess that week to week. The best way to stay informed is th- uh, make sure that we have your information, your current cell number, um, your email, because we, we send text messages out to the church, we send emails out to the church, that you'll get those updates and you'll be informed, okay? Uh, if all else fails, you can call the church office Thursday and say, hey, what's the plan? We'll always know by Thursday uh, what, what the plan is. Oh, almost always know by Thursday, all right? Um, some other things. Uh, we had a, uh, a youth ministry fundraiser yesterday. We had a, a golf tournament uh, to support our youth ministry. It was an awesome turnout. Any of you here golf yesterday? couple of us, yeah, how many of you are sore? Like, oh man, I haven't golfed 18 holes in a long time, right? I'm a nine-hole kind of guy. But it's a good time. Uh, lots of uh, fun had by all. 
Um, no, I didn't win, but that was okay. It was, it was a good time. We actually, we, we did a scramble. So my, I think my team was like three or maybe three above par. And it was my, my uncle and I and uh, my, my cousin's daughter, his granddaughter, and Bailey, my daughter. And it was a, just a fun time. We, I thought we did great. My uncle, my uncle will take a lot of his shots. So it'll, it'll be good. What's that? We did win. Yeah, I, absolutely. We won by having a good time. Yeah, my family was with us. And that was the expectation the whole time. Uh, also for our youth ministry today is the junior high, senior high war. If you are uh, ready for that, if you're a sixth grader going into junior high next year, this is the time that you promote in our student ministry. So sixth graders, if you're here, if you have kids or people at home that are sixth graders, they can go to the junior high, senior high war today. Uh, it is at the Holst house just down the street at three o'clock. If you need uh, information about that, you can talk to Chase after the service uh, at the kiosk or find him around. He'll give you more, more info, but that's happening today. It's kind of a big evangelism outreach day, kind of connection day where multiple kids can come and, and connect with staff and, and connect to Christ as well. So that's happening as well. Uh, Vacation Bible School, in your bulletin, you'll see uh, this thing. It's a little square with lots of squiggly lines inside of it. It's called a QR code, and uh, it's a really fancy way to, to get to a link. So if you take your smartphone, if you have one, and open up the camera and just kind of hover it over that square, try to stay still, it should pop up on your phone with like a little ribbon that, that you can click. It goes right to that link. And what that helps you, it's just kind of a short way to get to the registration for Vacation Bible School. So if you want to register a child, uh, you can do it that way. Or you can just go to our website and go fpcmountshasta.com and go find it there and register. Or get this, you could come by the office and fill out a piece of paper. Okay, so multiple ways to register for Vacation Bible School for our children. Uh, that is uh, preschool age children through sixth grade. And we'd love to um, have them sign up for that. That's uh, last part of June. Finally, our Bible recap. We've been going through uh, the Bible, uh, reading the Bible in a year, and we have a new bookmark for you on the kiosk. Maybe you grabbed one as you came in. Looks like this. We'd love you to start wherever, wherever we are. Uh, if you haven't, haven't started, it's going to start now. It's a good time. But I want to give you a little bit of a recap. Um, last week, we, we went through um, Jonah and Micah and Nahum, Habakkuk and Zephaniah, these small prophet books. And, and we, we saw in Jonah this rebellious prophet who said, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I don't want to share the message of truth with them. I know they'll turn to you, and I, I don't like them, right? So you saw this rebellious prophet, and God's like, what, who are you? I'm God. These are people created in my image. I can, I can rescue whoever I want to rescue, right? And, and God ends up doing that. Uh, even through a rebellious prophet. And then we see Micah, and, and in Micah, uh, he's announcing God's judgment on Israel for their sin, continuing to sin and pull away from him and, and, and set up different idols and, and, and go towards the world and the systems of the world. We'll talk about that today in our message. We're, we're called to be strangers and exiles, a people chosen for his own possession, not to be like the world. But there's judgment when we go that way. There are consequences to that. Uh, Nahum portrays the downfall of Nineveh and Assyria uh, and, and shows how God will confront the world in their sin and in the world in their iniquity uh, and how, how these violent human empires will eventually come to ruin. Uh, but it challenges us, Nineveh, uh, this idea in Nahum challenges us uh, toward humility, right? Being humble and towards, towards hope for a future in God's world and God's eventual kingdom. Um, Habakkuk, we struggle there to understand God's goodness, right? We, we did a whole series on Habakkuk uh, in the last year or so, uh, and just the, the prophet, why? Why is this happening, God? Why don't you hear? Why don't you do something? And ultimately, God's message is, and, and what we learn is that the righteous, God's people, no matter the circumstance, will live by faith. God's people will live by faith. And uh, so we see that these small prophets are all pushing towards God's covenant love with his people, and that God's, God's people will live by faith in them. And then we started a little bit into Job last week, and now uh, this week we carry on through the book of Job, just like we were saying the song, Blessed Be Your Name, right, that you give and take away 
but blessed be the name of the Lord. We're seeing Job's response to calamity and a, and a, and a hardship all around him and how, how he it increases his faith and how God responds and challenges Job and challenges others in that book. It's going to be a good book to head into this week. So that's where we are on the Bible reading plan. Grab that bookmark uh, in the lobby afterwards if you don't have one. All right, you ready? We're in 1 Peter. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to finish out the chapter today. And uh, we're going to see, uh, we're, we're continuing in the series, Strangers and Exiles. We're, we're looking to see uh, how God has called us out to be his chosen people and, and how we're to live then as strangers and exiles in a world that's not our home. Get this, newsflash, first part of that is determining this world is not our home. It's so, so important for us to get that. We, we live here, we reside here, we work here, we go to school here, we have roots here, and that's okay. But this world is not our home. While we have roots here, while we have children here, while we build lives here, we have to understand we are just passing through. We are sojourners. We are strangers and exiles, not called to be just like the world or, and to be of the world, but to live in the world. So how, what does that look like? We've, we've been reminded of God's graciousness and his mercy as he's called us out of darkness and into light, how he's, how he's continued to, to pursue us with his love and how he's chosen us to be a people for his own possession, that we remember and recall his mercy. And, then, and we've tasted and seen his goodness. And then last week, we, we looked at the pivot point, right? The pivot point was who? Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone, the cornerstone of the foundation, that everything we do builds off of him as the cornerstone. He's the cornerstone. And that, that everything that we do also is measured off of that stone. When, when they built these things, the, the, the masons would put the cornerstone in place, and the builders would come behind, and everything would be lined off of that stone, so for you and I to understand, we're going to live as strangers and exiles. We do not measure our status or our, our um, success on the things of the world. Everything that we do should be measured off of Jesus Christ and his word. Amen? That's, that's strangers and exiles. We don't, we're not part of this world. We're passing through. So we pivoted here on this, on this cornerstone, and then we pivot towards now, how do we live? What does it look like to live in this world that's not our, own, our home. And today, today's sermon title is Submissive Proclamation. Remember, we were called to proclaim the praises or the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So our lives should first and foremost be a proclamation of his mercy and his grace. Well, how do we do that? Today, we're going to be exhorted to submit, to be submissive. And that is a very, very counter-cultural statement, isn't it? There is nothing about submission in this world at all. When you say submit, you're like, are you kidding me? That's, that, we're not going to submit. I have rights. And we, listen, we fight hard for rights. We fight really hard for our own rights, don't we? I, I'm owed this. I deserve this. I, I, I should have this honor or this respect or this status. Now, I, I get it. There's injustice all over the world. And we ought to be fighting for justice and truth and mercy. But when we fight for our own rights, what we're fighting for is my, my ability to continue my own pride. And what Jesus wants us to do is, is to give up and surrender and, get, and, and go to him and say, he's everything that I need. He's my cornerstone. He's my foundation. I'm going to build my life off of him. And in doing that, understand that he's called me out of darkness, out of the world, out of my rights or what I'm owed. And he's called me into his marvelous light, into the kingdom of his son. Not, in this, not to live in this world, in a perfect world, to live in this world knowing that there is one to come that is perfect that I have an inheritance that, is, that is, he's called me out of darkness and into the kingdom of the sun and the kingdom of his light that is a, is a future inheritance for me and my eyes should be fixed on that prize. Ultimately, we look at Jesus 
Everything centers on Jesus and pivots on Jesus, the cornerstone. And Jesus is the suffering, submissive servant, isn't he? That's exactly what Christ was and is for us. So we're not operating here as we submit. We're not operating out of blind submission, like I'm just going to roll over. But what we're saying is I'm going to submit gladly and voluntarily just like Jesus. I'm choosing to be like Jesus. And as I choose to be like Jesus today, we're going to see it's for God's glory. And God's glory and exaltation it should be our motivation. That, that much of Christ is proclaimed, not much of me. That my status isn't increased, but Christ's status is increased. Amen? All right, so I'm going to pray for us. Then we'll read the text in its entirety, and then we'll break it apart into three quick points. Well, three points, not quick. All right? Here we go. Let's, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you are the chief cornerstone, and God, that you have called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light through repentant faith in Christ. We ask now that you would help us and challenge us and shape us, God, into the image of the Son, Jesus, and that, God, we would look more and more like you and less and less like the world, that, God, we would truly be strangers and exiles wherever we live. We would be citizens of the kingdom of heaven instead of, instead of the place we live. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'll read uh, verses 13 through the end of the chapter. Right? 13 through the end of the chapter. Dear friends, I, I urge you, uh, that's sorry, that was 11, uh, submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority uh, or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Household slaves, submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the cruel. For it brings favor if, because of a consciousness of God, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you do wrong and are beaten, you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. For you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Amen? So today we're going to look at this and break it apart, but I really want us to preface almost every time we come to the Word, especially in this series right now, as strangers and exiles, we have to preface this. Because my inclination, the first inclination of my heart and the first inclination of your heart, or at least some of you, it's mine, is to look at Scripture and say, is that really what he wants me to do today? Does he really understand where I'm, I mean, I don't know if this is quite for today. I get it, he said this back then, but is it all really relevant today? And, and even when we look at Peter and what he says, Peter's going to be saying, saying some pretty hard things here and pretty matter-of-fact things without any other explanation or, or caveats or way out. And as we look at what Peter says, we're, we're going to be like, 
well, you know, what Peter really intended or should have intended to say was this also. He, he, he knew it, but he just didn't say it. You see, we want to start adding things to Scripture. We, start wanna, we want to kind of take things away from Scripture and, and make it fit culturally where we are. Listen, strangers and exiles to the world do not live in the world and take the Word of God and make it fit the world. We live outside of the world. We take the Word of God as, as our marching orders, as our instruction, as our basic instructions before leaving earth, as our manual. And we take it for what it is and live by it as strangers and exiles to the world. So too many of us, I think here's the issue, too many of us have found a nice, comfortable place to settle. We, we enjoy our, our, the pleasantries of our life and kind of the way we've been doing things and the way we relate to the world. And we, we kind of, we're okay with some of our, our opinions and how they've shifted or, or changed a little bit over the years because it just, it, it makes it a little more easy to bear with neighbors or coworkers. So we kind of settle in an area that is actually not biblical at all. And, and, and we look at the Word of God and say, well, I don't know. We cannot do that. Strangers and exiles do not do that. Foreigners to God's kingdom do all the time. They take the word of God and say, yep, yep, nope, 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 nah, this is a little different, uh, tweak this a little bit, and that's what the world does. Those people are foreigners to God's kingdom, they're still living in darkness. We have been rescued out of darkness and brought into the marvelous light of the kingdom of the Son, Jesus Christ, and this is what he has for us. So we go to it with open eyes. And I get it, the first word or two that I'm going to read to you, and that is first point, you're going to be like, what, really? Let me show you. I'll prove it to you. Ready? Number one, we're talking about submissive proclamation, right? That we're proclaiming the excellencies of God and Jesus Christ through our submission. Number one, we submit to those in authority. Wait a minute, Brandon. Let's read. 13 to 17. Peter says, Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors uh, as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will, right, that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing what is good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's Slaves, honor everyone, love the brothers and sisters, fear God, honor the emperor. Oh, we don't like that, do we? I, 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 listen, every time I read it, I feel it right there. Like, oh, I don't know. And I know, I know some of you feel it right now. And if you don't feel it, maybe you didn't listen. Ready, ready again? Submit to every human authority because of the Lord. Do you know who, do you know who Peter was writing this to? Right, Christian believers, and when he was writing this, right, back in ancient Rome, right? And you know who was emperor at that time? Not president so-and-so in our country. Nero. Nero, the most ruthless emperor that Rome had had towards Christians. Killing and crucifying thousands and thousands, countless numbers of Christians. Persecuting countless numbers of Christians. I mean, the church was in exile during this time. They were spread all about, like in underground churches and homes and, and hiding. Because Nero was after them. And here Peter has the audacity to say submit. And he uses the word to the, every human authority, whether to the emperor or the governors. Right, the ones that handed Jesus over to be crucified, the governors. Same ones, same people are still alive. Peter's telling them, submit to every human authority because of the Lord. So what, what does this mean for us? 
You know, at the beginning of COVID, we haven't asked the elders question that we usually put a, we'll answer a question together and put it on a video and put it on our YouTube channel for people to, to mull over. And we did this question, like, how do we, what does it mean to submit? And, and it started right when COVID started, right? Just, just right into it because they, they say, hey, you have to cancel church, you shut down, everyone's two weeks in shelter in place, two weeks to, to flatten the curve, right, or slow the spread. And then it kept going on and on, and, and we're like, well, how do, what do we do to submit? What does a submission look like? And we wrestled with that a lot, and I'll come back to an example of, in that in a minute. But, but God, we submitted, and we answered the question then, and I, I, I believe in my heart, the, the, the answer we gave at that time from Scripture is the same today because we use Scripture. Submit to every, every authority because, it's because of the Lord. But here's what the point Peter's making, and this needs to be really clear as we look at this passage. He says, submit to every human authority or every human institution. The word translated comes from creature or created thing. And there's two things we need to think about as we look at that. Peter's making a point about the nature of authority. right? Peter, Peter's reminding his readers that rulers are merely creatures. You see, during the time Peter wrote this, Christians were like, no, Nero's definitely not God. But everyone who liked Nero and wanted to do their own thing and were wild and crazy... To, to them, Nero was their God. The emperor was God. And he, he portrayed himself as God. There was this emperor cult happening, right? So Peter's saying, no, no, no. The emperor, whoever, who these people think is God, is just a creature, a created person. So for you and I, we need to understand that, that, that our governing authorities are not God. And we, we owe them submission, we owe them respect, but we do not owe to them and give to them what is owed to God. Amen? So as soon as the government starts to say, or our authorities start to say, you owe me what you owe God, or you may not give to God what is God's, we say, mm-mm, sorry, that's not going to fly. Because we still owe God. God's the one who created these institutions, but he's the one that's over them. He's God. So the first part is that they are creatures, not gods. Now just, just look how, how much power we give our leaders. And I'm guilty of this as much as probably anyone. How much power do we give our leaders? Not like authority and power and here's the reins and the keys to the red button. That's not the kind of power I'm talking about. That we put all of our hopes in our leaders. Election time happens and it's like a life or death thing if our guy doesn't get in. Right? It's like, oh my goodness, this person didn't win or this person did win and, and now everything's going to be ruined forever. Like, like hell is coming right now. That's, that's, what we're, that's what the weight we give and the power we give our leaders. It's like that salvation of souls was dependent on who won the election. No. No, it is not. We are not to give that kind of power over to mere human beings. Our leaders are mere human creatures like us. And even the best of men are only men at their very best. Even the best of men are only men at their very best. They're human beings, not God. So they're created beings. We don't worship them as God. We don't give them the power. See, we, we hear, like, don't, or we have to submit to authority, and we're like, no, 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 we, that's, we don't want to do that. But here we give all this power to them anyway. We give them, we give them our souls. Like, it, it, life and death reigns. So no, we don't submit that far. But we do submit, not only are they, we understand they're created creatures, human beings, but the institutions that they occupy are also created by God for us. Romans 13 says, let everyone submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except from God. 
and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command. And those who oppose it bring judgment on themselves. These are, these are strong words, aren't they? And, and, and all of us have these like, well, if this, or but if they, this happened, or well, only in this scenario, I, you know, I don't like this. And, and then we, we cling to rights. We cling to rights. We have to let go of that and say, I'm going to be submissive because the Lord's commanding it. It's, it's, it's His will that I silence their chatter by doing good, by submitting. Well, is there, is there a time, Brandon? Is there a time to, to resist? Well, of course there is. When, because they're not God, and like I said earlier, if they, if they tell us to withhold something that is due to God, we say, sorry, we can't do that, and we give it to God. But most, here's the danger. Most of us come to a verse like this, and we want to preface it by saying, listen, here's all the ways, yeah, it says submit, but don't do it here, and don't do it here, and don't do it here. And here's all these stories, right? Yeah, we, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they, did, they resisted. And Daniel, he re- yeah, they did, because they were told to sin against God, and they didn't do that. But they did that with respect and honor. Did you, did you catch that story? Like They didn't like form a mob and take over the government. They said, I know you have a law. We can't obey that law because what we owe this to God and you can't stop us from owing that to God. You're not God. And whatever the consequences are, we'll submit to that as well. That, that's how we resist and submit. We certainly need to have a voice, but, but we, send, we tend to think so much about how... how um, uh, what is it? It's, the word, it's a P word. Um, nope, it's not that. We get, we get so, we get so in, a, in a place of like, like, we want comfort. We want to be pleased. That's a P word, right? Pleased. We want to have like, like just a sense of, of peace about what's going on around us. And, and we, we, we're comfortable in that. We want our flesh and blood to be comfortable and not upset what's going on. But the, the battle is not to be against flesh and blood. It's, I mean, if we're in Christ, our flesh and blood is secure in Him. Whether someone takes my life or not, I'm, I'm secure in Christ. But there is a battle being waged, and so there is a point to stand up, and there's a, a time to fight. And, and here's what we find. And it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It's there listed on your notes, but uh, it says this. Paul's writing the Corinthian church. He says, although we live in the flesh... We live in the flesh. We have feelings, and, and they hurt sometimes, and they get offended, and we get bitter and angry and frustrated and all of those things. We live in the flesh. We do not wage war according to the flesh. Right? We don't stand on our rights and our privilege and our, 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 our comfort and our, our, all of our ideas. Right? We don't wage war with the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. But they are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. It says we demolish arguments. And every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. So the things, this is, this is where it all lies. This is where it comes to, to fighting words. This is the hill that we die on. What are those things? Let's look at it again. We wage war, not of the flesh, but with tools that are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds, we demolish arguments. I want to, those two words, strongholds and arguments. The, the our arguments uh, word here, it's, it's like these ideal, uh, ideologies that are, that are built up. And people have these ideologies they make up or they, they, they circle around and they, and they may not even be good ones, right? And then we say strongholds. Like this is like a, a strong built foundation. It's like a fortress built up. 
And, and some of us would think, well, man, if it's a fortress, it must be a good idea because it's really solid. It's a solid idea. No, it's an idea. It's probably a bad one. And someone has built a wall around it and said, I'm not going to talk about it. I, I'm going I'm to defend it every way I can as long as it stays the right idea. That's not a good way to do it. And, and, and we become held captive by those ideas or by those policies, or by those philosophies of life, by the world all the time. The world invades all the time. The political leaders tell us what we should believe, how we should act. Uh, rights activists tell us how we should believe, what we should act, what we should say. The news tells us all of that. That is not where we should get our ideologies at. But they are, they are ideologies nonetheless, and they are surrounded by a fortress. And you are a bigot if you even come against it. But we are to stand against. We are to stand against ideologies. Why? We demolish arguments and every proud thing that's raised up against the knowledge of God. Those things that are raised up against the knowledge of God, those are the things we stand against. The government comes and tell you, tells, you, tells you you must, uh, institutes a policy that you must do something to, to, uh, that disobeys God. You say no. And here's why. The Word of God says this. Thus saith the Lord. You, you think about issues like, like uh, abortion. The government said, no more kids in 2021. Everyone gets an abortion. No. No. That's, that's not what my God would say to do. That goes against, it's a proud thing that's raised up against the knowledge of God right? Is paying taxes? No, it's not. We owe taxes, we pay taxes. Jesus said, pay taxes, render to Caesar what's Caesar's, and you give to God what's God's. But these arguments, the Greek word here, it's again, these fortified opinions and ideologies. What are they? Well, the battle we face is against foolish and destructive ideas that should be tested and discerned against Scripture. It's against ungodly ways of thinking it's against the religious and, and uh, the, the philosophical systems that are raised up against the knowledge of God. And we see it all over, and we have to stand against it. We stand firm against it. Why? Because we're strangers and exiles. We'll submit to the governing authorities until their ideologies, until their ungodly ways of thinking, their religious and, and philosophical systems come up against and raised up against the knowledge of God. And then we disobey. Let me give you an example. COVID. We'll go back to that. We chose to submit and we closed our doors. We live streamed for weeks and weeks and weeks only. And what did we see? We, the physical health and well-being of our, of our country, of our nation, of our world was imperative. And what, what we saw during that time is those ideologies crept in that started coming against the knowledge of God. What were those things? That people's spiritual health was also important. That people's mental health was also important. That people's social health was also important. And what do we say? We can no longer stop meeting. We'll do our best. We'll social distance. We'll, we'll try to be the best citizens that we can. We'll go outside when it's cold, when cases arise in our county. We'll do what we can to be good citizens, to be submissive. But when things come up against the knowledge, right there, the knowledge of God, we fight those spiritual battles with the knowledge of His Word and the knowledge of a spirit of God. But we do this with respect and honor. We do it with respect and honor. It says it's God's will that we silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. I don't want to be a, a jerk. And it goes on, it says, submit as free people. We're, we're free to make a choice. Submit as free people, not using our freedom. I'm a free person, I have rights. Not using my freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. We choose to submit then, then Peter sums it up here in verse 17. Honor everyone. 
right? Submit to the ruling authorities, every human authority, right? And then it says, honor everyone. Why? Because everyone's created in the image of God. Whether they're, whether they're, they're good people or bad people, we honor everyone. We love everyone. We even love the unlovable. Why? Because we were once unlovable too. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters, right? There should be a huge love for one another. The world should see and peer in and see that how, how we love one another, and then they'll know we're his disciples. And we should fear God, it says, right? Our reverence and our fear is to God. And we only fear the authorities because God has instituted those authorities, and we really fear God, and we respect those around us. And it says, honor the emperor. Honor the emperor, right? Again, he's not God. Our leaders aren't God. But we have respect for, for, we submit and we have respect for our leaders, but we don't worship them. We, owe to, we give to our leaders what our leaders are, uh, deserve, and we give to God what he calls us to give to him. Again, our good works silence false accusations. Number two, submissive proclamation. We submit as a servant of the good and the cruel. We submit as a servant of the good or the cruel. Let's continue reading in our passage, verse 18. Household slaves, submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the cruel. For it brings favor or grace if, because of a consciousness of God, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. What credit is there when you do wrong and are beaten and you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. It's, it's a means of grace. And, and I want us to understand this passage, another one of these passages that like, whoa, what is he saying? Especially in a, in a day and age where we're reflecting on, on oppression and slavery in our, in our country. And I want us to understand, for many of us in this room, uh, it might be impossible to read the words of these verses without the history of our country's horrific commitment to slavery coming to mind. It was absolutely horrific. Yes, our past is appalling. But it wasn't just our past. It has been the past and the history of the world. Slavery has abounded since people were born. And it still does. Some people say that today there are more slaves than, than there ever were. I looked up some statistics, and I want to just give some of those to you today. There are over 40 million, at least over 40 million people enslaved in the world today. Here's, here's, how, they're, here's how they're enslaved. Uh, human trafficking, right? This is a, this is a huge one. Human trafficking, uh, people transport, recruit, harbor people in order to exploit them for purposes such as forced prostitution, for labor, for criminal acts, for marriage, and get this, for organ harvesting. All around the world, in our own country, this is happening now. How else? Forced labor. We see people in, forced into, into services all the time against their will under threat of punishment or death. We have people who have been indebted and, and they're working to try to pay off a debt. Uh, people are trapped in poverty and they borrow money, right? And they're trapped in poverty because of a system of government they might have or, or dictatorship or, or whatever oppression they might have. They're trapped in this poverty. They borrow money, then they're forced to work to pay it off and they lose control over their employment and what happens to them and they lose control over their financial situation. We see it in, in even... Even like, like passed down heritage. People that were enslaved when they have kids, guess what? Their, their kids even today are still slaves. 
because it's still, they're still property. Uh, so, and slavery of children is huge. S- so many children are being used. He's like, come, come here, little eight-year-old kid, 10-year-old kid. Here's an AK-47. You stand at this gate, and you're going, if you don't guard this gate and shoot anybody that I tell you to, we're going to kill your family. Right? And it, the oppression is real all over the place. Even, even forced early marriage, right? Child marriage and, and child domestic slavery is happening all around the world. That's slavery. It's horrific. And, and listen, even we, as we say this, Peter, Peter is not addressing the doctrine of slavery. I do want to mention scripturally, because he, he speaks of it, and we'll tell you why in a second, but scripturally, we see it in 1 Timothy chapter 1. This whole list of sins and things that are, that are contrary to sound teaching. One of them is slavery and slave trading. It's contrary to what we believe. Do we understand that? We do not believe that people should be held in slavery. We believe, as Christ followers, that every single person has been created in the image of God and has value because of that. And I'm, I'm not trying to go against anything when I say this, but all lives matter to God. Every single person. And we should live accordingly. So when he addresses slaves, what's going on? Well, the Roman world was pretty jacked up, is what's going on. There were all kinds of classes of people. There were Roman citizens who had all these rights and all the, all the authority and could do whatever they wanted. And then there was like a worker class, and then there were even uh, workers under that that weren't even considered people. And, and then there were all kinds of levels of those kind of people too. Some were actually respected by their, by their employers or their masters, the household slaves, right? They would, they would come in and be paid. That they're still, you're attached to my house. I'm going to pay you. You're my, my servant in our house. You're our doctor or you're our financial person or you're, you're our um, nanny, right? You're our kid's educator. These people were schooled people, learned people who had, who had a gift to give. And so they were, they were hired that way. And some weren't. Some were, were uneducated, and they worked as slaves. And, and maybe they worked from 9 to 5. Maybe they worked from 6 to 6. To six. I, maybe they were indebted all, all the time and chained up at night. The, the, the gamut was wide. But what we knew was happening in the early church was that these slaves, these humble people who, who needed to be, to be released spiritually, were coming to faith in Christ in droves. They're, they're right. They're like, not many of you were educated. Not many of you were well thought of. I mean, that, this is, we're talking about slaves. People who were slaves, servants to people. For you and I, how do we apply this today? Well, because none of us really are a slave, but, but some of you feel that way at work, don't you? You go to work and you got, you've got to earn the paycheck. And you're like, I'm just a slave. I'm punching the clock. I'm putting in the time. I hate it. And my employer is horrible. Well, this should relate to you as well. It, it really relates to all of us. We're to be a servant of the good or the cruel. We submit that way. We submit and we proclaim by being a servant, a good servant of the good ones or a good servant of the bad ones. So slaves were in the church. They're part of the church. And, and they would hear this message and, and understand that they were to submit. So let's see what it says. Household slaves, submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the cruel. Right? Before it brings favor or grace. See, God, God is ready to bless. God is ready to, to give grace to us, undeserved gift. Why, when we do things that, may, that, that are obedient to Christ, it makes him smile. And grace is extended to us. Well, I don't know if you read it or not, one of the subtitles on the video earlier. Don't pray that, we, that this ends. Don't pray that persecution ends. Pray that God gives us what? The grace to continue to proclaim his name in the middle of our suffering. 
That's what it means here. This is what Peter is describing. We've turned the corner. We've pivoted on Jesus. Now what does it mean to live? It means to submit willingly, pursuing grace upon grace in order to proclaim Christ and to be good citizens, to be good servants wherever we are. Yes, slavery is wrong, but it happened. And, and, and we saw this in Genesis uh, chapter 37. You don't have to turn there. The story of Joseph, right, and his brothers who, who beat him up, ripped his clothes, and sold him into slavery. And he was sold into slavery of, of, of I think it was, um, what, let me read here. It was the uh, Midianite traders, and they sold him to the Ishmaelites. No, sorry, backwards. Ishmaelites sold him to the Midianites. Then the Midianites sold Joseph to Potiphar, who was an Egyptian officer, right, of Pharaoh. And then in, in chapter 39, verses 1 through 4, this is the description. He has been sold into slavery. Okay? Now Joseph had been taken to Egypt. An Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh uh, and the captain of the guards, brought him from the Ishmaelites, or bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had, who had brought him there. The Lord was with Joseph, right? This is his means of grace. God's presence is with us. He doesn't say, hey, go suffer really, really bad. It's going to be horrible. And go submit to cruel people, and I'm not going to be around. He says, listen, I'm going to be with you. I'll be there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, serving in the household of as an Egyptian master. As a slave, when his master saw, so important right there, his master saw. See, the people that we work for are watching. People that we work for are watching, whether they're the good employers or the bad ones, they are watching. When, it, when, when he saw that the Lord was with Joseph and that the Lord had made everything he did successful, jo uh, Joseph found favor with his master and became his personal attendant. Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under his authority. Talk about a man climbing the ranks. He had, he had, the whole household was under Joseph's authority. He was still a slave. But, but he, he served as, in, as serving for the Lord. He served, and the Lord was with him. He did what he could, as his master saw, to bring favor to God and to his master. Paul writes in Thessalonians, he writes about this suffering as well. He says, we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, since your faith is flourishing. Now, their faith is flourishing under big persecution. Uh, it says, therefore, we, we ourselves boast uh, about you among the churches, about your perseverance in the faith, and in all the persecutions and afflictions that you are enduring. It's like, wow, you are going through it right now. It is crazy, but your faith is flourishing. Your faith in God is flourishing. And it's, it is clear evidence Right, I want my life to produce clear evidence. In the, in the way I serve those that, are, that, that employ me, I want my life to, to be clear evidence of God's righteousness. And, and it says it's clear evidence of God's righteous judgment that you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom. I want what I do to reflect that I am a, kingdom of, a citizen of the kingdom of, of God. Right? I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. That my king is not my boss. My king is not even my parent that my king is the king of kings. I want my life to reflect that wherever I am, that be called, counted worthy of God's kingdom. This will take place at the uh, revelation of Jesus from heaven with powerful angels. Keep your eye on the prize. As we serve, as we submit, our eye is on the prize. Our eye is heavenward towards Jesus and what he offers and what he, what he has done and how, what we have inherited through faith in Christ. And we know that we're serving the Lord. Paul writes this in Colossians. He says, slaves, he's again addressing slaves who have come to Christ, obey your human masters in everything. Whew. 
Don't work only while being watched. It's like, obey him, but don't just obey him. Go above and beyond, right? Let's see a great work ethic here. Uh, don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as someone or something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive a reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. Wherever we are, whatever situation we're in, whatever bad job you might have, whatever persecution you might have, whatever suffering you and I have, we are to serve the Lord Christ. We serve Him. And that leads us kind of to the final culmination of today's, today's passage. This submissive proclamation, we submit with our example being Jesus Christ. Our example is Jesus Christ. And we'll get to this proclamation point in a minute. But our example is Jesus. Go back to 1 Peter 2. Look at 21 through 25. We'll finish out the chapter here. For you are called to this. Called to what? To submit. You are called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. Here Peter is quoting Isaiah 53, by the way. You can go read 52 and 53. It's awesome. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. What, what, what is Peter saying? Jesus was perfect. Nothing bad came from him at all. That's not true with us, right? We have every, every inclination of evil. There's, there's sin in our lives. We say and do the wrong things probably too often, right? That happens. Jesus, no. There wasn't anything in him. And we're to follow his example, right? He was, he was God in the flesh. Jesus, he was perfect. And he did not insult in return, and he did not threaten when he, was, when he was threatened or suffered. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Right? There will come a day, there will be a day when there will be a reckoning. Everyone will answer. Justice will be paid, and justice will be served. He says he himself bore our sins on, in, in his body on the tree. That wasn't justice, that was mercy. He, he suffered the scorn. He suffered the pain and the torture. He was threatened and insulted. So you and I could be free. So you and I could be forgiven. He bore our sins on his body on the tree. So that having died to sin, we might live for righteousness. Not for rights, but for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep who had gone astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. God's the one who's going to guard and protect. God's the one who's going to be there. And, and it's, it's for His sake. We serve under the Lord. And, and, and it's for His sake and, and by His example that we follow in His footsteps. The author of Hebrews tells us that we should consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself so that you won't grow weary and give up. And every time I think I have it bad, I know there are other people that have it worse. And if I can't think of someone that, that I know in our church family or someone close to me that has it worse, I just think about Jesus. Like, oh man, this is hard. What I'm going through is hard. You know what? Jesus died on the cross. He died unjustly for the unjust. He died. We had this thing, I, I, maybe I said it before you to, to you in church, but we had a rafting trip with our youth a long time ago and, and one of our adults was there and, and it was, I've been reminded of this recently just because of, of how... how how difficult sometimes we think it is to honor and obey God and, how, and it kind of to shape up a little bit, right? 
and we're there picking up all the stuff from camp, and we're getting ready to, to head out and come back home. It was a great uh, rafting weekend. So we're picking things up, and one of the staff uh, looks at a couple teenage boys. I mean, a couple teenage boys. They're strapping boys, can handle whatever. And there's an ice chest there that needs to be loaded up. And he's like, hey, could you guys grab that and load that up? And, and, and they're, they're kind of, well, you know, they're teenage boys. And I, I, I mean, I'm just gonna, it's going to give me goosebumps in a minute. Maybe you too. Out of the blue, just out of the wild, it was amazing what he said. He's like, listen, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, and you can't pick up a cooler? Oh, yeah, you thought you had it hard, teenage boys. Yeah. Jesus went there for your rebellion. You understand that? We have an example of suffering, and we think we have it bad sometimes, and maybe you do, but he had it worse. And he gave us an example to follow. So why? My final, my final passage today is out of the book of Philippians. And I, I want us to see this why. And it, it's something I've, I've missed a little bit of in, in my pursuit of understanding Christ more. I'm just going to read it to you. Philippians 2, 1 through 11, it says this. Paul's writing, says, If then there's any encouragement in Christ, he sets up the stage saying, Listen, we have this mercy, this grace, this reminder to rejoice who we are in Christ. He, he wants us to understand this. If there's any encouragement from that in Christ, right? We should be encouraged. If there's any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit of God, right? If any affection and mercy, right? Love's abounding, joy's abounding. Then he says, make my joy complete. He's talking to the church by being, by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit. And then he says this. All of that, and he says, also be intent on one purpose. Be intent on one purpose. Man, this is weird. What is this? Well, today's message is submissive proclamation. What's the purpose that he's talking about? He goes on, he says, uh, intent on one purpose, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or a vain conceit, but in humility, submissive, right? Humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should, should look out not only to his own interest, but rather to the interest of others. There's submissiveness there, right? How can I serve? How can I love? How can I encourage? How can I support? He goes on. Let's continue to see. What is this one intent? The intent of one purpose. Adopt. You and I should adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited, but instead he emptied himself. God emptied himself, and, and he assumed the form of a servant. He took on the likeness of humanity. He took on human flesh, and when he had become as a man, God humbled himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So we get this picture of humility. You get the picture of submission, right? Why? What's, what, we're intent on what? If, if, if it's intent on one purpose, it's the humble submission so that, for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that's above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What's that single-mindedness that we have as we submit to government, as we submit to ruling authorities, as we submit to our, our employers or those we serve, even the cruel ones? We follow Christ's example. And by submitting the way Christ submits, Christ gets exalted. Christ gets elevated. The glory of God is revealed and people Come to faith in Christ. What good is it if I fight for my rights and win my rights 
if people don't see the Lord Jesus high and lifted up. I would trade every right that I have in this country, every right, every constitutional right, if Jesus would be exalted and people would come to faith in him. That's what strangers and exiles are called to do. Amen? Now, we're going we're to continue now in, in worship. I ask that you, you would stand together with me. and I'm going to pray, and our worship team is going to come back up, and we are going to respond from our heart singing these truths, putting them deep down inside. And we're going to ask that our children can, can be gathered and come back in if someone wants to grab the kids, and they can worship alongside of us. And let's, let's end our time in worship. I'm gonna, listen, I'm going to go in the back corner, guys, or back over to that side. If you need prayer for something, I'd love to pray for you. Feel free to come back. I'd love to pray. But just we're going to close our time together now in the worship of God, in, in the singing songs together, in singing God's Word together, and letting God's Word penetrate our heart. And then as we leave, we're going to be singing it all week long. All right? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love and your grace, for your mercy. And God, we, we want to be with that single-minded intent. We want to be intent on one purpose, submitting so we could proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into marvelous light. We want to submit so we can exalt Christ and make much of him. So the world will be put to shame when they ridicule those who submit because Christ has been exalted. And so the world could come to faith and hope in Jesus Christ. 